0: Amos, chapter 8, verses 4 through 14. Hear this, you who trample on the needy, and bring the poor of the land to an end, saying, When will the new moon be over, that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath, that we may offer wheat for sale, that we make the ephah small and the shekel great? and deal deceitfully with false balances, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and sell the chaff of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their deeds. Shall not the land tremble on this account and everyone mourn who dwells in it and all of it rise like the Nile and be tossed about and sink again like the Nile of Egypt? And on that day, declares the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on every waist and baldness on every head. I'll make it like the morning for an only son and the end of it like a bitter day. Behold, the days are coming, declares Yahweh, the Lord God when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of Yahweh. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. And that day, the lovely virgins and the young men shall faint for thirst. Those who swear by the guilt of Samaria and say, As your God lives, O Dan, and as the way of Beersheba lives, they shall fall and never rise again. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: All right. Well, we're continuing on through Amos 8, really, really close to the end of uh, the prophecy of Amos. And, um, you know, today is kind of building off yesterday's thoughts, which is, uh, you know, this really heavy Uh, kind of section about the new songs of the temple, which is so many dead bodies, they're thrown everywhere in silence. And so we're kind of unpacking what's behind that uh, today. And, you know, surprise, surprise, it's the injustice and unrighteousness of Israel. And, um, you know, we've kind of talked about, but righteousness being this internal uh, right standing and uh, disposition to act rightly And then justice being the way that righteousness flows out. And so, and uh, you know, this image of a river, a mighty rolling stream is kind of used to represent justice. And so something that goes out, not to one particular place, but it flows out through the earth. So Greg Conley is with me. Greg, what are your thoughts on, uh, on Amos today?
1: I mean, this is another... I mean, this is another heavy one, uh, which the, the book of Amos, you know, tends yeah. in that direction. I think the first thing that strikes me. As opposed me, to all the light ones. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this is uh the first thing that strikes me is sort of how um uh how almost like uh the the things he discusses that God says in verses four and five seem almost like every day, things that we would not, if you considered it today, you'd think like you're not gonna do all this for these you know, for these sins. Yeah. So I mean he says one, he trample on the poor and the needy and bring the poor of the land to an end. And it's injustice, but it's not, you know, today we would think of like, you know, genocide, my goodness, like that's really bad. But like, you know, on some level, like trampling on the poor is something that always happens. Right. Um and I think that it seems like it reminds us how important it is the way we treat other people. And especially if he's talking to the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah, who are supposed to be his people on earth. They're supposed to be his example to people, right? They're supposed to be his ambassadors, right? And as Christians, as people who are supposed to be his ambassadors, how just as seriously does he take the fact that we trample the poor and the needy, mm. that we ignore them or that we take part in things that are unjust to them? And then the second thing was where he says, uh, he's saying the, the people who trample the poor and needy are saying these, making these statements. And one of them is, you know, they're asking when the new moon will be over, we may sell grain and the Sabbath then we may offer weed for sale. And honestly, what that makes me think of is like, how, how do you view your Sundays? How do you view your time in church? How do you view your time in worship? Are you just anxious to get out of there so you can go watch some football mm-hmm. or like go have Sunday fun day with your friends mm-hmm. or whatever? Like he he's like, it, it's, it's like a subtle point, but like these guys are like, oh man, when's the Sabbath going to get over so I can get back to real life? right mm. i need to get i gotta sell some wheat i gotta sell some grain i gotta get back to what i'm really doing yeah when can i get done with the, you know this god-ordained day of rest
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is an absurd idea in this yeah. world right by the way like a day you don't have to work when can i get done with this thing work with this day of worship this day to recognize that everything i have truly comes from god Man, when can i get this over with so i can sell some grain and make me some money yeah right exactly so like what's the position i i this convicts me like what's the position of my heart right oh mm. it's a sunday you know maybe you served uh, and, and you go to the service and you're like, oh man, I just gotta get to lunch and then I gotta meet my friends. Like your day just turned, you, you, you're like, when's this? when can I get back to real life? When can I mm-hmm. get back to Monday? Or maybe you don't turn off the work, you're still checking your emails, right? And once again, like I'm not saying God's gonna destroy the United States or Christ's covenant over this, but it is a convicting thing for God mm-hmm. to be like, these people, not only are they trampling the poor and the needy, they're really trampling the Sabbath because all they're really concerned about is getting it over with. Mm-hmm. And then he moves from there into sort of you know how bad it's going to be and I think what's interesting is uh, what he ends with is you're not going to hear from me anymore Mm. which is honestly like the real that's the real tragedy right like you can your life can handle all kinds of bad things yeah but I think as a Christian the idea of not hearing from God like that is hell Mm -hmm. right not hearing from God being separated from God that is damnation Yeah, that is the worst possible outcome and the i think the the crazy thing about this is a lot of this is probably falling on deaf ears mm-hmm. people are like what do i care mm-hmm. and i you know thomas talked on tuesday night um about um the the parable of the wheats and the tares and he talked about how you know what what jesus is saying there's you know wheat are are the wheat that's planted are are christians you know um and then the tares the the um the weeds are people who are in the church, but they're not really, they're not really Christians, right? Mm-hmm. And some of the things he talked about was like, how do you know if you're a weed or you're a tear? Uh, mm-hmm. And and in in the wheat side of things, we talked about you know justification, uh, sanctification, glorification, right? These things. What's important to you? What do you love? The things of God. You love His church. But if you're a tear, and he's like, you're in here right now, and you're you're a wheat weed, <laughs> <laughs> like how do you know? Well, you're not concerned about the things of God, right? And mm-hmm. I think what's interesting here is. As he's talking about this, Amos knows that a lot of these people, like if he's like, you you know, they're you know, the the idea that you're gonna die probably scares them. The idea they're not gonna hear from God probably doesn't matter at all, Mm. which tells you the positions of their hearts. Yeah. And I think if you sit if you sit there today wherever you are, and you say to yourself, like, I mean, if I didn't hear from God again, I'd be pretty okay with it. That should honestly scare you. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't really care about hearing from God again, then that sort of tells you what place he holds in your heart and in Mm -hmm. your and I I would just I would encourage you to examine your heart and to pray because mm-hmm. I can think of nothing worse. Uh, and I think that I think that that's interesting that he gets through the the days are coming when you know there's gonna awful things are going to happen. Your feasts turn into morning, your songs in the lamentation, sackcloth on your waist, baldness on your head, right? There's dead bodies everywhere. But really there's going to be a famine and the famine is going to be of my word. Mm. And that I think is the ultimate, you know, exclamation point. And I think that that should convict us not only in our love for the Sabbath, the love for God's word, the love for God, but if you don't see that as a tragedy, Mm -hmm. what does that mean about the place you hold him in your heart? Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. That's a great word. And, you know, this is uh, kind of on another note within this passage, but um, I think an interesting thing to point out is when it comes to something like slavery, um, the church has spent a lot of time on the defensive of like, Mm-hmm. You know, basically, people like obviously uh, God's word was was misread and manipulated during the time of African chattel slavery mm-hmm. in the United States, uh particularly in like Georgia and yeah. in the south and um and so it, it was that that's created this thing where uh, basically, you know critics of Christianity will spend a lot of time saying stuff like, well, the Bible condones slavery. And that has put a lot of Christians in a position where it's like uh, the only relationship between scripture and like that kind of moment in history or that practice is um, basically correcting views of like the word do loss in the New Testament mm-hmm. and like bond, servant, slave, whatever. And then like Genesis 1 where it says all people are made in God's image. Mm-hmm um but you know i think like this is why we need to read like hard heavy-handed minor prophets like what is like one of the main things here verse 6 um that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals mm-hmm. and sell the chaff of the wheat like the and this is like a theme throughout the minor prophets but objectifying uh people and reducing poor people to commodities um is a very explicitly named thing that like sends fire out of God's nostrils and <laughs> wrath. And so, you know, these are the things that are like important because I think we can just get so uncomfortable with like heavy words right. from God, but you know, like God's goodness is so clearly revealed here. Like what, you know, what are these like the, the dead bodies that like, you know, chaos and corruption what's all this stemming from it's the people who are like tormenting and torturing and objectifying weak people Mm -hmm. and so you know god god's goodness is displayed through his justice his grace is displayed through his justice and you know it, it all like sets this stage that you know the cost of sin is so high it is so high And the depths of human wickedness are so so deep, Mm -hmm. and in that light, the cross is staggering. You know, it it is like just staggering that Jesus would bear this punishment. Mm -hmm. Like the you know, there's no condemnation left for us. And I think when we think of condemnation, it might just be this like you know, this flippant, like, oh, you're not a Christian, you're a Christian, like, yeah. bad. Um, but, like, no, I mean, the condemnation here towards, like, people who perpetuate injustice and wickedness is is haunting. I mean, it, it's terrifying. You would not read this to your kids before bed. But, or maybe you would if you're, like, an epically, you know. Seems <laughs> like a Puritan thing. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I probably wouldn't. But, uh, you know, that this is what Jesus stepped into. And this is like why he was sweating blood mm-hmm. and, and crying out in agony before the cross. And uh and so it's why we should have just such a immeasurably deep gratitude for the cross of Jesus.
1: Amen. I i mean it, it makes me think of the the hymn Amazing Grace. And mm-hmm. if you look into the history of the hymn and the guy who wrote it, it's a man who captained a ship that yeah. took slaves from Africa and and what is so key about it is he realizes his poverty in front of God. He realizes what he deserves. And that's why grace is so amazing. And so I think your point is incredibly well taken. I think that's awesome. <clears throat> like, if you really think about what it is you deserve from God, that magnifies the cross and Jesus, what he has done for you. You cannot help mm-hmm. but just fall on your face in front of him. Mm-hmm. Like, it's wonderful.
0: Amen. Amen. Love it. Well, only a couple readings left in the book of Amos. And tomorrow we're going to knock another one of those out. So for the great Greg Conley, the con man himself, this is Will Carlisle. And we're going to see you tomorrow on our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant. And Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's word.